Smartphone shipments are predicted to be the lowest in 10 years due to a weakening economy and consumers holding on to their devices longer. Also, should companies declare whether their content is generated by AI? We're going to chat about these stories and more on this episode of Today in Tech. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Today in Tech. I'm Keith Shaw. The man behind those glowing screens is Chris. Hello, sir. Hey, how's it going? Good. We're going to just talk a little bit about some uh, some stats, some surveys, and uh, statistics, et cetera, et cetera. Let's jump right into it. Uh, first of all, IDC, our sister company, has come out with some new research suggesting that worldwide smartphone shipments are forecast to reach their lowest volume in a decade, while iOS share has now climbed to record levels. Uh, according to uh, the research analyst firm, worldwide smartphone shipments are forecast to decline 4.7% year over year in 2023 to 1.15 billion units, which is the lowest volume in a decade. This is a downward revision from IDC's previous forecast of, of uh, decline of 3.2%, and basically driven by a weaker economic outlook and ongoing inflation, which has dampened consumer demand and lengthened refresh cycles. Despite this lower forecast, IDC said it expects the market to recover in 2024 with a 4.5% year-over-year growth, followed by growth in the low single digits through the remainder of the forecast, resulting in a five-year compound annual growth rate of 1.7%. Um, now, here's a quote from uh, one of the IDC analysts. Although inventory levels have normalized, the majority of OEMs remain cautious, extremely cautious in their business planning for the short term, yet again, kicking the recovery can down the road. And this is according to Nabila Propal, our Propal Research Director with the Mobility and Consumer Device Trackers segment of IDC. Uh, basically, as consumers hold onto their devices longer, the bright side is they are willing to pay more, which will in turn help the average selling prices to rise for the fourth consecutive year in 2023. So not only are they holding onto devices longer, uh, they're more willing to pay more for the smartphones when they get a new one. So it, you know, it feels like people are holding onto the devices longer. They are waiting to refresh generally until they either break or they feel like, oh, it's time for a new phone. Yeah. Uh, back in the old days, and uh, of course, for our friend Ken Mingus, it was always, oh, new iPhone coming out, let's just get one, every new, one every new year. new year, right? Yeah, he gets one every new year, or he, does, or he has that d- the discussion with us on the show. I don't know whether I'm going to get a new one or not, but he usually ends up getting one. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm... Uh the rule of thumb for me is every five years. But you wait a whole five years. Oh yeah, really? Yeah, I, I still have the Google Pixel Four <laughs> A, and um, it still works fine. The battery still holds a charge. It still functions properly. It's yeah. like there's no reason for me to get a new one. I mean, you know, it's it's a phone. You are an anomaly, I think. I just I just can't justify. How do you justify buying a new phone each year? And well, especially look at the prices. That, well, okay, okay. Early on in the life cycle of a, of a smartphone, back so again, smartphones have been around. Wow, uh, fifteen years probably now at this point. Yeah, it, it feels like. Mm-hmm. But every time you know, early on, the advances in the technology would be such you know would be cool enough to justify that every year yeah whether it was a new camera it was a new feature it was a new uh screen it was a bigger screen smaller screen but now it feels like the incremental advances you get from a smartphone are not that exciting i mean already yeah, we're, no. we're you know we're already hearing about a uh, uh apple event this uh, this episode actually might be out after 
the Apple event. Mm-hmm. We have some, we're, we're filming some of these ahead of time. Uh, the big thing was, hey, Apple, the iPhone is now switching to a USB-C port. That was the big switch between the 14 and the 15. Well, that, that's that's how they do it. That's how they make their money. When they release a new model, the new well, of course, new yeah, input, yeah, all of your cables you know, have to be upgraded. Exactly, you got to you got to buy a sixty seventy dollar adapter in order to use your old devices with it, and it's just like phones today. Like like you said before, you know the advancements in phones you were able to see right. You had a an uptick in resolution and processing speed, stuff like that. But we're at right. a point today where it's like you don't need that much higher of a resolution on your phone today because the screen's so small. Right. But like you don't need you don't need like six K or or even four K for that matter. Four K, six K on on a small screen. You know that's what six six inches big. It just doesn't make any sense. And, and processing speed, like, yeah, sure, you want your phone to be, you know, fast enough so that you're not waiting and, you know, you're dragging and, and stuff like that. But yeah, I think we, we had a poll here where we asked uh, our subscribers about when do they get new phones. This was a, a few weeks ago. Oh, I, I did ask, how, how often do you upgrade your smartphone? Um, well, what we, were the options? The options were um, the Ken Mingus one every year if a new model comes out. Uh, whenever an old phone breaks or if they're offered a good deal and 83% voted on when the it whenever it breaks, yeah, whenever, whenever it phone breaks. breaks, that um, makes the most sense. Yeah. Uh, 13% did say that, you know, if they were offered a good deal and then we had 5%, which was probably Ken clicking, you know, right. Multiple, 5%, multiple 5% new model comes out. Uh, I, you know, I was of the, of the, Probably the iPhone 3 and the 4 and the 5, those were the models where I would probably get it every year. But as I got older and the, the, the features weren't as exciting, I, I'm now in that in that 83% where um, if I sense that my phone is, is old or there's something wrong with it, the battery is died. Yeah. Again, when I... Sw- so the phone I've got here in my pocket, um, I think it's a... I think it's a 13. Um, I don't think it's... A, so when I check, depending on, and, and again, when you have a family and you start getting all multiple phones, whoever is, whoever complains the most will then get the newest phone. Yeah. Uh, it's usually either my wife or one of my kids that, that will complain about it. But I think I had an iPhone seven or an eight before I got jumped to the, the latest, which was not the 14. Um, I, I wait for the so I've got a 13 which is now one or two generations behind but I could probably go on this one for at least another 3 or 4 years before I get to that that new sense now if there's a if they could actually innovate and have something like if Apple came out with a folding one that was the big thing from Google, uh, Samsung is they have the fold and it has the flexible screen so that it looks more like a, the old school flip top do you remember those phones yep, yep yeah I thought those were cool cuz it made you feel like you were Captain Kirk uh, if, I guess if sure. Apple comes out with a foldable screen, you know, and then and, and everyone will claim, oh, look how innovative Apple is when, you know, the Android versions have been out for a while. Right. Well, so. yeah, they'll, they'll take it and, and master the, the tech behind it. And just like they did with the VR headset. Yeah, well, the, the jury is still out on that. So we'll, we'll see if that. Right. Right. Um, so, you know, and also the, the, it's an acknowledgement that the. Uh, 
that the weaker economy and inflation might be affecting people's purchases. I think that's that's another reason they they downgraded. So if everyone tells you how great the economy is, you might say, well, you know, people aren't buying as many smartphones as they were. Um, The other interesting part, too, is the iOS market share is going up. And there have been a bunch of stories about how the younger generation is all in on Apple versus maybe there was a split between Apple and Android yeah. for, for older, older consumers. Um, so Apple is able to hold on to its share based on how good some of their uh, iPhones are. Yeah. But you're still in that, you're still in that Android camp. I can tell. Oh yeah. Android's great. Do you, how, how old is that phone that you have right now? Uh, I don't know. Whenever the <laughs> pixel four, a came out. So, okay. So do you, you yeah, will we'll you just, you, you'll just wait and hold on to it as long as possible until you can tell if the battery's about to die. Yeah. Hold on. Pixel four, a release date. Let's just take a quick look. It was released in, oh, okay. 2020 pixel four, a 2020. So, so we're in year three, we're going on four years, going on four we're going years, on four years. So, okay. I've had it you've close got at to least four a, years. You've got another good two years, probably. Yeah. Another, another two good years. Um, the, the thing, as long as you don't go with, skydiving with it and break it when yeah, you're skydiving. The, the thing is, is, you know, like I'm going to go skydiving. <laughs> um, <laughs> just phones today are so expensive. It's like buying a laptop. You're buying a portable laptop. But it's, but it's, it's so expensive. but it's it's one of those and it's like you don't really you don't really know how much you're paying for it because it gets bundled into the monthly payment. I don't even I don't even buy that. I don't even do the the leasing. The, like you don't do any of that. Lease your phone. Like, so you buy it outright. Buy it outright. And then I want to own it. I don't want to lease my phone. I already have to pay off like car payments. Why do I, have to, <laughs> I have to lease a phone. Isn't that ridiculous? It's not it's ridiculous. You're just spreading out the payments. It's so ridiculous. Just. Either you can afford a phone or not. Pay pay it. Yeah. So, it. Your, so your monthly service is probably a lot less than mine. Mine's about three hundred bucks a month between all the f- the five phones that we have in our family. Yeah. Well, here's the beauty so with you're my paying, situation: what, 50, 50 a month. I'm paying absolutely nothing. Oh well. The, okay. Because I'm on the right, company right, phone right. plan. But if you were, it would just be if I was. It would just be for the the service. Yeah. The the cell service. Yeah. You know, and the data, whatever. Whatever that will be. Someday, dude, you're going to have to pay for a phone. Uh, maybe. Especially when, when, when uh, your daughter you know, turns five. <laughs> when she turns five, she's going to get, again, I've said it before, the old Nokia brick phone. She's yep. going to start out with that, no social media. But like, yep. The only game is Snake. Even, even if I were to get a new phone today, I would, what are they on? Seven, Pixel 7 or Pixel 8 right now? I would get their Pixel 7 or 8A. Right, the cheap version. Yep. Because like you, you know, I you don't get, need. You a, get one of those phones where the only person they can call is you and your wife, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And then just use it as an emergency phone if they if they need right. an emergency. But paying twelve, thirteen, fourteen hundred dollars for a phone. Ugh, I, I don't know. I don't know how people do that. That's, See, I don't even know if that. I, again, I don't know how much my latest phone is cost because I just bundle it in. It's this, probably around that. Probably. It's probably. Yeah. Probably or nine hundred or eight hundred, and then you trade in your old phone and you get a big discount. Yeah. So. At the time, I think the Pixel Four A when I got it was um, three to four hundred dollars, mm-hmm. and I thought at the time that was a lot, but looking at it today, it's like, geez, that's a that's a steal. <laughs> So at least, you know, there's some optimism that next year maybe things will get better and you'll start. It could just be refresh cycles, too. Yeah, maybe. All right. Next next story I want to talk about was um, 
there's a debate whether or not companies that are using generative AI uh, need to tell you about it or not. <coughs> Sorry about that. Um, Google's, for example, their new DeepMind tool for identifying images generated by artificial intelligence is now raising questions for companies about when they should flag AI-produced content for their customers. The tool known as SynthID was released as a beta version in partnership with Google Cloud. SynthID works by adding a watermark to images created by Google Cloud's text-to-image generator, uh, which is known as Imagine, A-I-M-A-G-E-N. Or Imagine? I would say it probably imagine. sounds like imagine, like yeah. imagine what we can do with this uh, by scanning an image for its digital watermark. The tool can assess the likelihood that an image was created by imagine companies have been looking to generative AI for several customer facing applications, including generating ad slogans, crafting news releases, producing billboard images and helping to brainstorm new names for products and services, as well as things like planning photo shoots or summarizing customer product reviews. Uh, this article from the journal then says businesses are divided about when to alert their customers that they are interacting with marketing copy written by AI. For example, some say it is critical while others say that as long as the content is accurate, the source shouldn't matter. And I believe that our company, I, I don't know if we have a policy on this uh, or not. I know that we, if, if there was something written by AI as a news story, we would definitely de identify it. I think we're not allowed to use it to actually write I, the stories. I don't think we're there yet. Um, but we can use it to research. I don't even know if we have a policy or not. I don't, um, I don't know. I will, you know, we'll admit right here on the show, we, we have used AI image creators such as mid journey to create for thumbnails, thumbnails for, thumb for the videos, but we don't necessarily think that that, I, I think you'll be able to tell that, that those are created by it. Yeah. And it's just a, a quick shortcut. And in, in, instead of using stock images or the free stock images, um, I don't know. I, 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 there isn't, there is a, a point to be made about, it feels like if you are a company and you want your, content to be trusted you need to be upfront about you it need to be if, transparent. You, if you're you need to be transparent to say that but if you if you're if you don't care about that kind of trustworthiness or or necessarily need for accurate information you could probably just say well it doesn't matter if it was generated by ai, AI yeah. or not i didn't see in the article whether what the argument was for against it um let me see if i can find it the this article um so uh, the Choice Hotel's chief information officer, Brian Kirkland, was quoted as saying, quote, uh, as long as it's accurate, right? That's what they care about. It's the quality of the content, the accuracy of the content that matters, not as much as the source in what we do. So that was one quote saying that maybe they don't wouldn't have to. Okay. Uh, however, if a company is using a public model that is trained on public data, failure to disclose could create legal issues since the model could have been trained on copyrighted material, although laws and regulations around this have yet to be clearly defined. Uh, Kirkland said choice hotels would want to curate and secure the data that the model is trained on to ensure accuracy before moving forward with any use cases. So um, I think that companies are still juggling this idea. And, and we talked about this on another show where Amazon was was technically i think people thought that they were using ai it's possible they haven't come out and said yet whether or not they used ai to create an image for their fallout tv show uh i think most people think it was and, I, I and know, you can look at the evidence yeah i know i know disney was up front with it with their uh, secret invasion yeah 
Um, so that was good. I think maybe it, it, initially people companies will admit it, admit it, admit it, and then when customers don't care one way or the other, they'll probably just stop and you know being that transparent. Oh, but I do think in. that if there is a, there is a sense of accuracy and trustworthiness, that yeah, you're going to have to say whether or not uh, something is AI generated or not. Right. Right. So I just another another tool in the AI uh, realm of stories. <coughs> All right, moving on to our next story. Uh, Generation Z apparently has some fickle subscription habits. Oh boy! <coughs> About uh, new research is showing that people in Gen Z are becoming more imp- unpredictable in their subscription habits. Findings are revealing that Gen Z subscribers are significantly more likely to cancel the subscription in the first year than other demographic groups. While many subscription services have recently hiked their prices, Gen Z, unlike Boomer counterparts, is not primarily driven by cost concerns. In essence, Boomers are more price sensitive and prioritize deals and cost savings. Gen Z is looking for a tailored experience and they are willing to pay for it. So this is from one of those surveys that a company does to help promote its services. They almost sound Um, like Boomers. Who sounds like Boomers? Gen Z. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I think that they were more likely to cancel and resubscribe, which is why I think that's why I was interested in this, in this survey, um, in terms of jumping on and off. I think they're saying that Gen Z is more likely to jump on and off where boomers will put up with it and they'll cancel if a price goes up, but eventually they might come back or they'll, they'll stay longer and then deal with the with the price increases so the key findings 37 percent of gen z only 37 percent of gen z maintained all their subscriptions over the past year compared to a whopping 79 percent of boomers so there were cancellations within the gen z 42 percent of gen z canceled one to three subscriptions within the same period uh which is only 18 percent of boomers did this while 54% of boomers will cancel a subscription if there is a price hike, only 27% of Gen Zs share the sentiment. So Gen Z is actually looking like they will hold on to the subscription longer. Uh, if unexpected fees are added to a subscription price, 86% of boomers would say goodbye. But for Gen Z, that number drops to 58%. And 29% of Gen Z noted that if a subscription service can truly meet their needs and preferences, they'd stick around for another four to six months. In comparison, only 11% of boomers felt the same. Uh, while boomers are on the lookout for value for money and will switch if they find a more affordable alternative, Gen Z and millennials lean towards services that offer personalization and flexibility in their subscription plans. That makes a lot of sense. So the, the big quote from, from all of this analysis is, uh, quote, retention is no longer a continuous line. Rather than focusing on retaining the existing subscription, consumer brands should think more about retention of the long-term relationship via easy pause and win-back strategies. By giving Gen Z the flexibility to come and go with ease and providing enticing reasons to return, brands can transform a fickle relationship into a lifelong connection. Um, th- and again, this triggered me in, in terms of the streaming services where for the longest time you would just have a, a, a service like Netflix, just keep it going month to month, month to month, to month. And you never really saw a lot of people canceling. No, you don't really think about it. Yeah. Cause there was always another show that you could watch. There's always another movie. There's always something. It was worthwhile. And even, even before the streaming services, cable companies, there was enough channels and that was part of your life. Now what we're seeing is if the prices fluctuate and go up, I think consumers are more willing to subscribe to a service, watch a particular show, 
once the show's over, they cancel and then they wait, they wait, they wait. And then another one comes out, then they resubscribe. Uh, I think a lot of the legislation or not legislation, but companies that make it easy to cancel a subscription and then jump back in if you want and not charge a fee or, or things like that. I think those will hold long-term loyalty for a lot of these new consumers. Yeah. Also, you got to keep an eye out for um, resubscribing penalties or whatever. You think, yeah, I'm wondering if you're going to start seeing those types of fees. Probably will. Like you can only, do you think a company would come out and say, if you cancel, you cannot resubscribe with the an, same email? Yeah. Okay. But that's not too hard to, to just make up a new email. No, not at all. I mean, it's a nuisance. It's a pain because now you got to keep track of another email. Yeah, but I already do that anyway. Yeah. You have a burner Unless email. I have like 20 burner emails <laughs> <laughs> for all the dark web stuff I'm doing. Um, yeah, it, it would be hard to, to implement a service like that where they could try to figure out if you're the same person. But I mean, once you put in your credit card information and your address, they could say, well, no, you can't. But I'd rather, I think that the companies would rather just take your money rather than trying to implement some sort of resubscription yeah, fee. They'll probably allow it without any. The only, the only, you know, what they do is they offer uh, better deals for new subscribers a lot. You'll see like, oh, get your, get, you know, get six months at, at five bucks a month. And then you hear in that small print or the, in the radio ad, this is for new subscribers only. The cable company's been doing that for years. So you'll probably continue to see that. And then it makes the long-term subscribers go, well, what, what the heck? It's like whenever you have to cancel your uh, cell phone yeah. or your cable service, and then they, they try to incentivize you with, oh, well, we have this offer. And all of a sudden, the deal that you've been paying for the last five, five years is suddenly better for the same amount of service. That's why you should probably try to cancel as much as you yeah. can because the incentives to bring you back are usually cheaper. Yeah, and they do that to try to not make you leave, uh, let you leave those, right. those quick. Which know. always seems opposite because you would almost like, why not give the benefit to long-term subscribers? But it feels like, well, they're happy paying the, the, the $20 a month. Why should I then offer a deal for 15 Right, right. Unless it extends the life of the contract if it's one of those types of deals. Right. If anything, they would increase the price. Anyway, that, that, was, that was somewhat interesting to me. Uh, moving on to our last uh, little bit of, of fun here. What is your opinion on the self-checkout, uh, these, this technology that you see at stores? This is even before I get into the story here. I want to just know what your opinion is. Uh, I mean, it is what it is. If you don't want to interact with, a, with someone else, then just go through self-checkout. So um, in terms of technology, I mean... It, I, I don't know what there is to well, it. Have you, have you gone through a lot of them and, and some of them are good and some of them are bad? Or do you mostly have a positive experience when using them? It's mostly positive because whenever I go through the self-checkout, it's usually I'm going there to get something quick in and out. And it usually has a barcode. So um, I've never never had an issue with it. But I think, that, I think most people are now accepting of these self-checkouts. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe it's me. I'm I'm more annoyed by them than I probably should be. Why are you annoyed? Well, because I've had a lot of bad experiences where the machine is just horrible. And if you don't like, if you're at a grocery store and you're trying to put it, they it makes you 
put it in the bag and the weight sensor on it. And if you don't go right. do it quick enough, it starts to beep. Yeah. And um, I'm also the type of person I like talking to cashiers. I'm not one of those Gabby Gabby people that hold up the line to talk to a cashier. But sometimes I do enjoy a face-to-face -face interaction with someone. Mm -hmm. um, but if but I understand if you have a long line of people and it's it is quicker if you don't if you're not buying a lot of things. If if I'm buying a whole grocery cart full, I won't go to the checkout. Yeah, I mean self checkout. Honestly, they could just replace the um, what is it, twelve items and below the speedy checkout with yeah, just the express self line? checkout. Yeah, with just self checkouts. Yeah, I mean, there's you know. the whole issue with the self checkout etiquette. Or no, no, the uh, etiquette for the 20 items or less about how are you counting? And then you have like some of the people that get really annoyed if you have 21 and you're in the 20 items or less line. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, there was this article that, that this, this guy wrote about the eight unbreakable rules of self-checkout etiquette. And I'm a little annoyed just by this idea, the whole idea of doing a slideshow around this. Um, but he, you know, this person is trying to make this better for self-checkout. And the first one was know your skill level. Apparently there are people that don't know how to do it. And skill level? Yes, apparently you have to be skilled in, in order to use the, uh, the self-checkout the correct way. There's nothing to it, really. Well, it depends on if you have produce. So that's another one of the, yeah. So some of these other etiquette rules are if you're going to buy alcohol, that you should go to a staff register because there are certain rules about about alcohol and you have to be a certain age and they have to check your ID. Um, uh, know what code your produce is because, again, a lot of these machines have different rules about typing in the code and then weighing it, how much you're buying it. Uh, I have heard of people that they know the codes for the cheapest fruits or vegetables and they put that code in hmm. so they might be buying really expensive apples and then they put it in as the cheapest um right. vegetable um, but i think that's why they have people monitoring that so they could tell if you're not buying the right the right produce uh respect the line is another uh piece of etiquette if if it's too if it's too long or if it's if you have people behind you like speed up um Again, same thing. Claim your register promptly. This is more of a target thing, I think. Usually there's a line of, there's, there's about six or seven registers. And if you're in the line and you see someone not react and get to that register quickly enough, that can be irritating. Mm -hmm. um, also, be nice if you do need help. If, if something is breaking down, I guess, don't be one of those irritating customers that go, I need help immediately. Why did you come over here? Uh, and then just leave after you're done because apparently there's always a line to hold up. Anyway, I thought you would be more annoyed by self-checkout than you apparently you are. I think you're, you, you seem to be okay with it. It's not a big deal. I don't have any uh, grumbles about it, but... Um, it certainly seems like this is here to stay and, and we're not going to ever go back to uh, well, fully staffed. If you look at... Um, what is it? If you look at Market Basket out here on the East Coast, there's no self checkouts there, right? Because again, it's a it's very it's run by a very old school management, and everything there is done manually. Um, even the um, inventory for stocking is mostly done manually. I mean, yeah, yeah. There's some uh, systems that they use, but for the most part, yeah, it's a person involved. Yeah, um, I don't think they've been able to... They have not yet been able to automate... Well, they can automate inventory levels right. with robots, 
but they can't actually stock the shelves with robots yet. Because if they were to automate a lot of their stuff, particularly speaking to Market Basket, they would have to lay off a good chunk of people. Um, yeah. Because they do hire a lot. They do hire a lot. And um, I don't think, yeah, they wouldn't be able to afford it. But yeah, I know. Um, it's just, don't really think too much about it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it also depends on the store. Uh, grocery, again, depends on how much you're buying and then the types of material you're buying. At Target, I tend to use the self-checkout because they just they don't staff yeah. like, like you would at a, different, at a different grocery store. So there's only like one or two people. Now, maybe when the holidays come up, they're going to add more people to, to, to meet that demand. But generally, the lines for people are longer than the lines for the self-checkout and I've, and those machines are pretty good where, but there, and then there are other times like a home Depot. I think I always go to a home Depot does have some self-checkout. They do, but I always go to a person at home Depot. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't know why, because I, I suppose it's just sometimes well, it's bulkier items that you have. And, right. You know, some of the stuff doesn't have barcodes. Like you get nuts and washers and stuff. They don't have right. That one nail that I need. Yeah. All right. <laughs> exactly all right good to talk to you chris we'll we'll talk to you uh the next time we have one of these news episodes yep same here all right that's all the time we have for today's episode don't forget to like the video subscribe to the channel and add any comments you have below join us every week for new episodes of today in tech i'm keith shaw thanks for watching